Hey, Geekscape is welcome to a brand new Geekscape. And uh, we're back at the T Radio V Studios. If you guys are listening to Geekscape and this is your first Geekscape, we're going to be talking movies, video games, comic books, and television. Usually genre based. I'm Jonathan London, your host. I've been doing this thing for eight years. And if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, I love that. SoundCloud is a brand new thing for us. And uh, leave a comment, tell your friends about it, subscribe, like, do all those things you can do on SoundCloud. If you're listening to this on the old school iTunes, Go ahead and write us a review. We've got tons over the years, but we could really use yours in that five-star. And, of course, we're also on Stitcher and a million different places that our RSS feeds have, like, bled to over the last eight <laughs> years. You know, I don't even know the proliferation of Geekscape. Anywhere the internet reaches, so does Geekscape. Yeah, I think we're like, we are the cockroach of the internet <laughs> as far as geek media goes. We've been around a really long time, and we're not huge, but we like to eat. And spread our germs everywhere, which leads us <laughs> to why I well, you didn't get a T Radio V episode last uh, week. I was sick as a dog, and at this time last week, I was pretty much liquefying in a bed. Uh, I was sick. I uh, been going a little too hard and caught the flu or cold, whatever the heck was going around, and uh, that was just two days of melting. I got to tell you though, I did put out an episode that I'd recorded two days earlier with Dr. Frank, who called up a few weeks ago. But guys, if you're if you're listening to Geekscape, go back one episode, listen to my conversation with Dr. Frank, Frank Portman. He's an author, a musician. He put out his book King Dork, approximately. Um, I just love talking to him because one of my like storytelling heroes is who I call him now. I, I call him a storytelling hero because. I discovered his band when I was in, in high school and had my first girlfriend. And I was like, oh, they're like, this is what music is for. It's for your first girlfriend. And like, the, you know the Mr. T experience, right, Ben? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. like those uh, songs are so perfect. When I first moved so down perfect. here, you gave me every single Mr. Yeah. T experience CD that you own. I think if you're, I think if you're, I think the high school kids in the audience, uh, maybe the college kids in the audience, if you're like a, a geek in love uh, and you're into like pop music and rock music, I think they're like, they're like a perfect band for you because they're just fun and they have such a like a wry fun view on romance the ups and downs mm-hmm. mainly the downs uh and um, and yeah i, I got I, I interviewed frank as you'll listen to uh about his new book and then i went out and saw him play music that night um and talk about like my favorite band getting back together which is just so awesome and i actually ran into a woman who introduced me to real big fish who i ended up doing a video for and that was like a little career move but i met this girl Paige in t- 1997 on Real Big Fish's tour bus, and I met him through met her as a merch girl for Real, MTX. She introduced him, like, and I hadn't seen Paige in 20 years. I feel like this. And I story... go to this concert Friday night, and I met Paige again. Yeah. She goes, "My name is Paige." I go, "Paige, I think we met in 1997, and you led to my life completely changing." And she just started crying. Aww. It was awesome. It was awesome. Aww. Still wearing like the bookie glasses, still cool alternative Paige, and um. Still hanging out with the MTX people, so still uh, the same age. It was crazy. No, we're both old as hell now, but <laughs> but it is awesome, and uh, and, and it's crazy how like you can go out of somebody's life for twenty years, and not realize how profound like the things are. But um, if you guys are listening to Geekscape for the first time, we always have a guest, and this week is no different. I try and get the most expertly of the experts on the Geeks uh, stage, and here we got Alan Kistler. Um, I've I've actually wanted Alan on the show for a while, but Alan's always like lived in like Orange County. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like I, I, I mean, I'm actually just uh, I've been in New York for the most of the in last several years, yeah, in New York. And, and I, but I keep traveling around. That everyone keeps thinking like I live in Seattle or I live in L.A. or I live in Orange County or right. something. Like now I'm actually relocating to Mount the L.A. area, like right. Mount Wondercore. <laughs> Mount Wondercore, terrible place to live. Yeah, you're gonna fucking be a magician. And you're shit. just surrounded by the island of Dr. Moreau <laughs> yeah. rejects. Like, so, uh, so you. you 
Alan, how would you describe yourself? Because I first knew about you because you were like the geek fashion expert, or if there's geek style, if there's such a thing as geek style, which I think there is. There now, absolutely is. Like, like you were the guy who's like, love it or lose it. Like, you'd be the guy, <laughs> you know, like Alan would be the guy who's like, don't wear that, definitely wear that, yeah, but not I, in a cosplay sense, in like a geek fashion sense. Right, because I, I did some videos with Tim Gunn where we talked about superhero fashion, because I uh -huh. thought it'd be funny. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and and that led to my column, Agent of Style, which I did for Newsarama, and then I did on Mary Sue for about okay. a year. Okay, I love that Mary Sue page. I love Mary yeah. Sue, I love Newsarama, I love comicbook.com. I love all those sites. I like uh, my they're great site, sites. They're I great love sites. sites. And and uh, but yeah, I'm a I'm a comic book historian and a geek consultant, and I've been writing professionally about the evolution and changes and history of uh, sci-fi franchises, usually superheroes, but also Star Trek, some vampire fiction, um, Doctor Who. I I wrote Doctor Who: A History, which got the New York Times bestseller list uh, for nonfiction ebooks in December. Holy crap! This past December, number ten, number this, ten. Yeah. We got yeah. fucking John Grisham on the Geeks Game Show, right? <laughs> for Holy one week, shit. I was like two below Amy Poehler and one above American Sniper. Oh hell yes! You beat out American Sniper, dude, and you is, didn't even have a fake that is baby. Awesome. So I gotta tell you, like when Miami Vice first came out, like the like the comics that I'm writing, when they first came out, it was like crime fiction. It was like it was like that, uh, like Alan Moore. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, you know, it was like, it was like Alan Moore. It was like, it was like Sin City. And I'm like, right. I'm, I'm like, I, dude, I sold more than Sin City and like Alan Moore and all this stuff. Dude, took the screen grab and totally took the screen grab. I don't think it, I don't think it works anymore, but, uh, <laughs> but I got the screen grab where I outsold Alan Moore for maybe an hour. I don't know. <laughs> but that's, that's gotta be awesome. No, dude. that was fantastic to find out. That was really fantastic. It is very validating, you know? Cause, Absolutely. Cause you, you, you sometimes wonder if you're shouting into the air. Yeah. It's uh, called Geekscape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so that was really fantastic. And uh, before then, I wrote the unofficial Game of Thrones cookbook, and and that's still selling pretty well. Look at nicely. Wait, you wrote that? I wrote I, the unofficial one. The unofficial one. Yeah, I have both the unofficial and the official. The the official one is fantastic. They were yeah. they were like I had when my when my book came out, I had a bunch of haters hit on me about like you're trying to steal money and this is a rivalry and attack. It's like no, I bought their book as soon as it came out, yeah. like a month later. So I, why I write the unofficial book. if like there's an official out and you're already a fan of it? Like why why get the? I didn't know that there was uh, an official one when I was asked uh, if I'd be interested in doing this, and it was Abrams Media was the publisher. And they, once I did find out, like, I, I brought up, like, so what exactly are we looking to do different here? And and I told them, like, look, I'm not a professional chef. Like, yeah, are you sure? Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 we want you because your whole career is research and breaking down things in a user-friendly way uh -huh. for, for people who aren't necessarily full into something. And you worked well as an introduction. So we want a very casual, user-friendly, not professional chef-friendly uh, cookbook that's just yeah. doing tongue-in-cheek stuff. So if I wanted to cook this stuff for myself and I have no training, right. I could go and do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Right, that's that's sort of what I focused on. So so some people got on me for like being generic, but I was trying to be easy. I was trying to yeah. be like let's, easy. Let's go with accessible. Yeah, accessible. Pragmatic. Yeah. There you go. Practical. And uh, it, fun. Fun. Yeah, fun. fun. And, and we've got like Direwolf Ale in there and Lannister IPA and there are mixed drinks based on the poisons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was that was tech, that was actually my first book and it was it was such a wild weird experience and and I got to run into George R. R. Martin uh, last year at San Diego Comic Con. What was that like? You write faster than him. You found out. Like I <laughs> I I went up to him and I was just like, look, I got to tell you, man. Like I'm a fan of your work and also I I wrote the unofficial cookbook and he went, oh, you're the guy. 
You owe and, me some fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna shake you down by your ankles. <laughs> no, he thought it was great. No, we had a conversation about it. He thought it was fantastic. Uh, he he didn't understand the haters. Right. And uh, no, he's a very chill guy. And and yeah, it's we're just we cater to very different audiences. My book and the uh, official cookbook. The official cookbook was done by two professional chefs, so obviously it's got a very different dynamic right. to it. It's a lot harder to cook those. It yeah. is. It is. But you know, yeah. they catch they, a boar. What? They put such great work into that. I have nothing mm-hmm. but respect for that. Absolutely. Book and the people who made it. Right. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, but yeah. You cooked anything from it though? The official. From, from the official. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, really I did. Daunting? I forget what the hell we did. It was like three years ago. A friend of mine and I did something for a party, but like I, I think it was one of the boar dishes or something. Like right. We didn't actually have a boar. Ham sandwiches. Two Christmases ago, uh, over at uh, our old friend Brian Gilmore's house, yeah, yeah, yeah. we did a uh, Game of Thrones cook-off. So yeah. we each took a recipe from, I think we did yours as well as the official. Awesome. And uh, yeah. we, we all made something. So we had like uh, the what is it the bean and bacon soup and, and then you like okay. watched the premiere the, or something? Uh, no, I think we watched Doctor Who. Oh, oh dude, dude. nice. We watched the Christmas special as we were chowing down. But my favorite was the uh, the meat pie, it was so good. Well, I mean, the, so good. Season five is starting here in a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. In, in, in like two, three months. That trailer. So maybe Oof. we can like do a party or something, and and, yeah. and maybe take some pages out of Valen's book. Yeah, uh, go for the, it. The other thing is, if you guys are listening to this live. Chapter two of the Game of Thrones Telltale Games comes out tomorrow. Yeah. And I haven't checked out dude, that game yet. It's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you're a fan of the Walking Dead Telltale game, but that was intense. It is. It is the my favorite game every year that they put one out, and mm-hmm. the Game of Thrones game is awesome. I think. I mean, the it first fits. one felt a little short. Yeah, because you loved it. I know. But the things that happen in it are just as brutal. Yeah. And just as dramatically uh, twisted as some of the parts of the show. Absolutely. Just like man, these guys really have a, a, a flair for the dramatic. They just they just get the voice. You know what I mean? Well, they it got does, the voices yeah, they too. Actually, they yeah. literally got the voices. But I'm yeah. talking about as far as drama pacing and and, and just twisting the storyline. It's it's pretty awesome. And it does add a facet to you guys uh, and your entertainment of the HBO show. Yeah. It, it fills in a facet of it that as really pretty interesting well even the books too like they tie in stuff that's in the books that's not in the tv show in those games that's why i love telltale so much is that they kept they they capture the voice of every single property that they use yes like it's the best it's it's the best licensed games you'll ever play they're back to the future future. yeah oh my god the back to the future game was because i love i love that franchise Uh like that's if I hear the words reboot and Back to the Future, I will burn a studio to the ground. <laughs> Won't even necessarily be the right studio, but right. I will burn a studio to the ground. Right. And to play Back to the Future Telltale games, that was like a huge love letter to the franchise and what you would have wanted if Back to the Future 4 ever happened. Yes. yes. That was such an amazing job they did on so that what, game. So what's going on with the Jurassic Park game? Because like the Jurassic Park, was that just a swing in the mist for, for Telltale? Because remember it came out and it was just universally yeah. panned? Uh, yeah, I mean, it might, well, that was before... like. Granted, Back to the Future happened before uh, Jurassic Park, I right. think. Yeah. Yeah. But it was right. It was right before they. I don't know if they had a change in, in ownership or, or anything. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it was right before the Walking Dead stuff when they really started nailing what oh. they needed to do. Oh yeah, they're pitching a hundred from Be- since that. Yeah, because well, because they were making their own like looks right. to games at that point, and now they're they're aping the styles of. The properties gotcha. and i think that that's really what makes it like if they had made the jurassic park game look more realistic because it looked really cartoony yeah 
And unfortunately, like the Jurassic Park cartoony doesn't really and work. Borderlands, yeah. I think I think Kenny loves the Borderlands. Oh my game god, that that, that game good. is great. It, it, I had some bugs in mind, but like other than that, like it was fantastic. That was a super short game. That was the like maybe one? two hours. Oh, yeah, I, I just it. know like some of our Geekscapers were playing it. Miles Harbord, shout mm-hmm. out there he is in Toronto. Uh, some of the Geekscapers were playing it. I know Kenny loves it. Uh, I just I never played the console Borderland games, so you got to take a geek card away yeah. from me for that. But um, well, you should you should play that. I should definitely play them. Uh, the Jurassic Park Four trailer or the Jurassic World trailer? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the, a bunch of stuff got a, a Super Bowl spot yesterday. We can talk our way through the Super Bowl spots. Um, I think Frank and Kevin are waving me down that they're going to go to commercial soon. Uh, which is one of the things of having the lovely T Radio V studios back is sometimes we T- gotta stop Radio and talk about the yeah. other T Radio V shows, which is cool, and you guys should be checking them out. Um, but it's good to be back in the studio, man. I'm glad I'm not sick anymore. It's good to be back with Frank and Kevin. Say hi, guys, real quick before we go to commercial. Say hi. They're, oh, they're just saying hi with their they're hands. They're saying hi with their when hands. they get back, you'll get their 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 beautiful <laughs> vocals. Uh, but let's have these commercials. Let's come right back with Alan and talk a little bit more about what's coming this summer. All right, we're back. I love this song, dude. You like the theme song, the Geekscape theme song? It's amazing. Yeah. We got to get a remake. It's like a Saturday morning cartoon. Maybe get DJ Skrillex. I just wanted something catchy that gets stuck in your head and Mm -hmm. makes you think about Geekscape and enjoying comics and movies. And I didn't watch the Super Bowl yesterday. Uh... Uh, a part of me really like was like I'm not, I'm only gonna respond to the Super Bowl tweets and Facebook posts <laughs> and you certainly did and I did um, but but it, you know in all honesty it's because at the beginning of the season I told my wife like that like because of the whole uh, like thing about domestic abuse and women and pushing mm-hmm. women into elevators yeah, yeah. and shit like that I was like you know what I'm a huge sports fan but I'm gonna go a year without the NFL and I yeah. managed to do it so which I I feel good about mm-hmm. um, but. Man, I got to tell you, uh, I did look online for some of those uh, commercials. I love the Clash of Clans uh-huh. commercial with Liam Neeson. I thought that, that was fantastic. Hilarious. That as, was amazing. As an avid Clash player, uh, I thought that was cool. And then um, the Jurassic Park 4 ad. I mean, am I right in saying that that out of all the movie uh, ads, like that one, the Jurassic Park, the Jurassic World ad was kind of the one that ran away with it. Well, that, that was what the one I was excited about. It's the I'd o- say so. It's the only one that actually showed new material. What about Terminator all- Genesis? Was well, that also, old? No, that was all old material too. Genesis. Well, also on top of it's, it's it's stupidly spelled whatever it is now. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Jurassic World to me was the only one that also really gave an idea. Tomorrowland got close, but that oh, gave that an good, idea yeah. of what the movie actually is. I'm still confused on what Tomorrowland is. I mean, it looks to me like sci-fi Narnia. Like it's she, Brad she finds Bird, another so trust world. It. Right. It's yeah, going to be great. Right. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's Brad yeah. Bird. Trust it. Yeah. But like, I, I was sort of curious about Jurassic World when I saw that TV spot. Like, that's the story. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm in. I'm in. I'm the so second ready. the pterodactyl like grabbed that woman, I'm like, uh, yes, I'm sold. That's just Absolutely. so dark and so yeah, like, yeah. scary as yeah. hell. But remember for a decade, the rumors from the fourth Jurassic Park would be that they were going to make mm-hmm. hybrid human. Oh yeah. Right. yeah, we were yeah. all horrified, but now we're kind of seeing what they're, what those things come out with. I always feel like fan overreactions are always completely uh, off. They're 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 about, they have like a one percent truth right. that are blown out to a hundred percent proportion, like the uh, origin of Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from outer space. Oh, yeah. and, this right. and, that. and it's like, sure, the ooze can come from outer space. The origin from like the Krang's planet could yeah. could, could be from outer space, but 
the turtles are not out of space. And I think I think with this Fantastic Four trailer that also hit, and just to, to talk about Jurassic World, uh, mm-hmm. I think that uh, Chris Pratt training. Oh, like, that's yeah. Tra- training for all the raptors is one of the fucking hilarious things I've ever it's seen. Amazing. See that that I did not realize was happening. As soon as it's I realized so that was it, like you know what, I am with this. Yeah. I am so it on is this so ride. So silly, but fuck it, they are bringing dinosaurs back. Exactly. Yeah. So who gives exactly. a shit? Exactly. I love and that they made. Let's embrace that. They also they're doing the Terminator Two thing where they make the villains from the first movie into the allies in the next. Yeah, yeah I mean, which is fun. Did you yeah. see that Entertainment Weekly cover or whatever where it's Chris? Pratt like buddy cop back to back with the Velociraptor. Yeah, I, I did like, not see that. That's like, amazing. I was like, just give the Velociraptor a shotgun at this point. Up? Like, <laughs> just give him a shotgun because it's fucking hilarious and crazy. Uh, I saw Chris Pratt in person. I, and I, I went running. I went running on the LA River and uh, the bike path, and he and Anna Ferris came the other direction. And I was like, and I tried. I play that game in LA where LA is supposed to be a big city where nobody's nice to each other. So I try and say hi to everyone on the trail. Yeah. I'm that annoying guy who's like, "Hi, how's it going?" And so I said, "Hi," and this super handsome guy turns back to me and goes, "Hey, man, how's it going?" And I got about uh, three steps later, and I was like, that guy was so fucking – it's Star-Lord! And I almost tripped and ended up in the water. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. But, uh, yeah, that's the that's so good. shot. Isn't that great? It's so back. good. It's like, that's like the coolest remake of Turner and Hooch that could ever be. <laughs> oh, or, or, or that Whoopi Goldberg cop movie where oh, she's got oh, the dinosaur. Uh, Teddy Rex? Was oh, it Teddy, Teddy, Teddy Rex? Teddy or Rex or whatever. Something, Something like that. Oh, yeah. Theodore Rex. Theodore Rex. So, Theodore Rex. So we got to talk about this Fantastic Four uh, trailer because obviously yeah. it is the big unknown of the, the Geek Summer. But mm. uh, here, here's what I liked about it because I okay. don't want to be the guy who jumps on something. What I liked about it is the tragedy of the wreck. I like the tragedy of the Fantastic Four somehow getting their powers, whether it's mm-hmm. through uh, – I mean it looked like one of those like blood defibrillator things that uh, they were sitting around in. Uh, centrifugal yeah. force. Centrifuge. Yeah. Centrifuge, centrifuge yeah. It looked like they were getting into a centrifuge. I hope it throws them at least into the lower atmosphere. But Maybe Red Bull is sponsoring I it. I think it's supposed to be that they're taking the ultimate Fantastic Four origin where it they're is. like transporting into dimension. Sure. The end zone, sure. as they're calling they're the negative They're transporting it yeah. right into the next right. crossover. And, uh, but, and, and, and that's I, what it looked like I, in I the like, Ultimates. I like the destruction, the wreckage of it, because I feel right. like like this is weighty stuff. And I always love that Marvel has that drama to it. Yeah. But man, that tone is like the Fantastic Four versus Cancer, and it's the one that. It's the, <laughs> I mean, it, it is. A, it, it, I mean, it's the thing that causes pause with me with the Ant Man stuff. Is like, where's our fun, right. self-deprecating Ant Man? Especially with Ant Man, and, and mm-hmm. with these guys who are something like, with, where's Adam McKay's humor? I'm sure it'll be there, but I mean, is Fantastic Four gonna go full dark? Who knows? Well, the director, and this is what concerns me, because the director, uh, Josh and, Trank, and, and he's yeah. done good work. No one doubts that. Sure. But when he's talking about the tone. And he's saying, well, I'm not really a fan of superhero genre films, and I'm trying to go for Cronenberg, and I'm thinking about The Fly, and I'm thinking, well... And look what they got. They got Philip Glass to score it. Right. (laughs) Great. That's not an exaggeration, by the way. That is what Philip Glass music sounds like. Yeah. It's like Moody organ music. But that being said, it's like... Okay. Hmm. I just... I'm just not going to crap on something. And, and people are like, of course, you know, what about the Doom blogger? It's like, I'm pretty sure Doom blogger is just somebody who hacks the experiment from afar and wrecks the experiment, caused the experiment to go haywire. And like, mm-hmm. that's him. He's a hack. You know, he's got cyber terrorism, which is something that we rumored to just experience with North Korea. It didn't right. happen. But, right. But like, you know, okay. It could have a real world application to blogger Doom. I, 
this this could very well be a very good movie. It's just it's not what I was hoping to see in a Fantastic Four trailer. Also, I I think your trailer is missing the mark. Not, ne- never mind the movie. The trailer is missing the mark. If I have to know the comic to think this could be cool. Because oh, that that yeah. trailer was so generic, mm-hmm. it could have been Interstellar. It felt minus, like an X Men movie. It yeah. could have been it could have been yeah. part of an X Men trailer before you see all the cool action scenes. It could have been the first uh, fifteen seconds of the J J Abrams Star Trek reboot trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it was just so generic of like science is great. Yeah, I think we missed our chance at a Kirby uh, Fantastic. I want to see a Kirby. Fantastic I know, but like Peyton Reed but... was going to give it to you, and Fox said, "No, let's get Tim Story. We had a regime change." Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for that regime change at Fox that brought Tim Story into the Fantastic Four it's, franchise, we may have gotten the Kirby-esque 1960s Fantastic Four with Peyton Reed. But now Peyton Reed's on Ant-Man. Are we even going to have fun with that movie? Who knows? I got hope for all these because, man, they get my like, ticket But that every trailer, that Ant-Man trailer was not good. That Ant-Man trailer looked like a little serious. the first draft with the Iron Man trailer was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It wasn't quite as cool as the first Iron Man trailer. And it just seemed out of place. It seemed like this was how we were trying to do superhero movies 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. We were trying to remove any superhero-y goofiness out of it. Right. And, Instead and, of embracing it, which is... Right, hope, which yeah. is which was really surprising from Marvel Studios. Because, yeah. I mean, I expect that from Warner Brothers right now. Sure. But from Marvel Studios, or and even though it's Fox, I'm like, Fox, you gotta... You, someone there watched Guardians of the Galaxy. You must see how if you embrace the silliness... But still give it a weighty story. That's the best combination. Flash is rocking it out right now. Guardians mm-hmm. showed us. Flash is incredible. Winter Soldier showed us. Like you can have the silliness of there's a man who transfer a Nazi transferred his brain into a computer <laughs> and is speaking to you through television. Best but, scene in the movie. But best it is such a weighty, great yeah. conversation about security. It's and a political ethics thriller. I love the Artemis Zola yeah. scene. Yeah, that was the best part of that movie. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. And and. Fantastic Four should be fantastic. It it looked like a science fiction movie that was taking place today. I don't want it to look like it's taking place today. I want it to look like it's it's sort of that Big Hero Six mentality of like we mm. might be there, but well, we're not quite there yet. Love that movie, Big you know, Hero Six. If you, I wanted Incredibles meets Big Hero Six with Fantastic Four, just these explorers of the unknown and a higher level of sci-fi, like how Star Trek seemed so out there to us in the '60s. Fantastic Four should seem so out there to us now, mm-hmm. and it looked. Too grounded to me. And that just and seems like a risk that Hollywood studios aren't interested in making today. Yeah, which you know? is... Make it look like not... the movie we had success with last summer. Exactly. And uh, and yeah. I hate that strategy. Like, risk risk is... To quote Kirk, risk, risk is our business. That's right. why we're here. And, and I mean, when it pays off, you back the Brinks truck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the number one domestic movie last year, I think it ultimately got eclipsed in fe- in January by by Hunger Games was Guardians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Easily, you know, everybody thought it was going to be Transformers. It was Guardians, and uh, and that and and so who comes and gets its weekend? Fantastic Four, because it, I mean it is everybody copying each other's homework. Right. You know? Yeah. And the studios are just it's copying each other's homework. It's the same weekend. It's the same weekend. Yeah. Of course it has to. I mean, if it flops, be like, well, I just did what Marvel did last week, last year, even though. This isn't an assembly line. We're not making widgets. We're making unique pieces of art mm-hmm. and uh, and creativity. And it's it's never gonna run like a like a factory line, guys. This isn't these aren't Ford Motor Corps, all right? Like and you, you can't do it. You bring up such a great point there about uniqueness. Like you've you've gotta, especially now that we've got so many superhero movies, you gotta really go for what makes our property, our story, unique among the rest. Because they are getting formulaic, especially mm-hmm. how many of them are origin stories. People are getting the muscle memory 
and they're getting bored with some stuff that they were excited about in Iron Man one. They don't want to see that same formula in in like other Iron movies, in Iron Man two or in Captain America's movie or whatever. Right. They don't want to see. A lot of people already are saying like, great, Doctor Strange. We don't want to see an origin story because right. they've seen too many origin stories. So you've got a same thing. I, I thought Man of Steel, what, their major flaw at the first point was not really bringing up what makes Superman unique in superheroes, and I don't see anything unique or or just rocking out. I don't see that high-flying, high-concept action in Fantastic Four. It could still be a good movie, but nothing in this trailer is telling me that this is something I'm excited to see. I'm still going to be there opening day. Yeah, I'll yeah, see it. We're trapped as us. Yeah. Of course. You know what I mean? Like, I might see it two days later. That's a long time to stay off the internet. Yeah. But uh, I will for sure be there opening day. We're going to talk about uh, opening day... I camped out for an Amiibo again this weekend, so it's a problem. Uh, <laughs> ben tried NerdFit, which is a cool way to get yes. fit if you are a nerd. And uh, we, we, we did a bunch of nerd stuff, so we're going to be right back. And maybe we'll get that secret as to why Superman's unique from Alan over here, because he mentioned that he is. We're going to find out why he <laughs> thinks he is. Uh, when we get back right here on Geekscapes, you're not going to want to go anywhere. Keep listening. All right, we are back here on Geekscape, and uh, we're just perusing the rest of the uh, T-Radio V lineup, and uh, Dave Faustino, hey, Frank, does Dave Faustino have a show on here now? Uh, no, he was a guest. Oh, he was a guest? Yeah, he was you a know? guest on Crazy Bones' show. Okay, but we, oh, cause Crazy Bones, this is a Bone Thug show. Yeah. yeah. I gotta be a guest on that show. Remember we were talking about starting our own, like, mm-hmm. game, or like a game oh, yes. based on T-Radio V? Okay. We gotta get Eric <laughs> Roberts in there. Yep. Eric Ro- Oscar-nominated Eric Roberts. Did you know he was an Oscar nominee, Frank? Yeah, but I'm surprised. Hasn't he won 80. an Oscar? He should have at least an honorary Oscar, Oscar at this We were just point. talking about Randy Quaid also being an Oscar nominee for The Last Detail. Yep, Best Supporting Actor. Crazy. Uh, it is insane, but um, we're here. We're talking about geeks, and our uh, trivia obviously runs long. Mm-hmm. We're here with Alan Kistler. Alan's an author. If you guys throw him up on the Amazon and the ebook market, you guys are going to see that he's a best-selling author. He's written books on Game of Thrones, the unofficial cookbook, but he has this new one out, this Doctor Who one. Yeah, Doctor uh, Who, a history. A history of the time-jumping Doctor Who. So, <laughs> uh, guys, I've never watched Doctor Who. It's one of those things that I'm no so problem. daunted at this point Can't, to start. It's, it shouldn't like, be. I would start with a Tom Baker. That's not a bad place to I would start. start with Tom Baker where it's fresh. That's not a bu- you know? bad place to start. <laughs> I want to start with an ugly one. I want to start with like an ugly well, Doctor then Who, so two. I don't feel like you I'm going to start with you two. You know what? So I don't feel like I'm you know a chick. What? Come hang out with me. We'll we'll watch uh, a couple from the first Doctor, and we'll move our way through. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I know that the BBC retaped overall a bunch of old stuff. And like, well, they, they had a junking lost. policy. Yeah. And uh, actually, all the pretty much all the episodes that we have of the first two Doctors yeah. is because we recovered them from other places that got copies. So like okay, Hong so Kong copies. or Scotland or Australia or Canada had some some of the reels. And then we've still got... In in Classic Doctor Who, which ran for 26 seasons, uh, there was no... With one exception, there were no single episode stories. Everything was wow. four, mm-hmm. sometimes six, occasionally two, one time 12. Um long story arcs so it's what's your favorite story not what's your favorite episode so now they're putting them on dvd they put pretty much everything they've got now on dvd now for the first two doctors though they might have a story where we've got episodes one two and four but not three wow so 
What we have, though, fans, kids, before we had reruns, would take uh, uh, tape recorders, audio tape recorders, and would put the microphone up to the television and would record Doctor Who so they could listen to it later. Like it was a radio drama. Right. So in the 1990s, a fan group called the Doctor Who Restoration Team was able to collect audio from every single missing episode. So we wow. have audio so, of every single episode. Right. So for, for those where we don't have any of the video or so little of the video or just a couple clips or something, yeah. BBC then took that audio from the Doctor Who Restoration team, cleaned it up, put it on CD like an audio drama, and had an actor who was involved in that story narrate the action that you would have seen. And, and so you have this audio play now, and in cases with the DVDs, like the invasion, which introduces the group unit to the Doctor Who universe, we're missing two episodes of that multi-episode arc. They use the audio and animate it. That's so awesome. those two episodes are animated if you watch that that DVD, and thus you have once again the entire adventure. That is That's awesome. Yeah, I was worried that there were that there were some like like missing pieces in the in the we, chain. I mean, yeah, there there are a couple where as of right now you still have to really listen to them and, that and is you awesome, can't watch though. them. But you can still listen to them and you yeah. can still get We have the stories. The concepts and the action, the story and you can hear the acting. Um, so it's complete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. That makes me yeah, that's awesome. Okay, Rick Baker's a place to start. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. <laughs> your your book. Now, yeah. is it about the history of the show or is it about the history of the doctor? Both. Really? It's it's uh it's just as mind bending as I'd expect it to be. <laughs> because I mean a lot of the a lot of the guidebooks uh treat things in universe. So right. I definitely wanted to go mm-hmm. more behind the scenes. And it covers the the whole franchise, classic and new, but it also delves into the comics of Doctor Who magazine and the audio dramas which started in nineteen ninety nine and continue to this day. Mm-hmm. They're still doing Tom Baker is still doing new Doctor Who adventures. In Holy audio drama, crap. and it's too much, and uh, and it's so much fun, and and so I just I cover a lot of the behind the scenes and the evolution and story ideas that were thrown out. I go into the original pitch documents. That's cool, so that you can see like how different it evolved and who added what idea. Like when to... Harlan Ellison wrote that that Two Face episode of, of Batman sixty six, and they re- just released it. Mm-hmm. Len Wein wrote, oh, yeah. rewrote it, and then like DC re- like released it recently. As a special edition. Uh, he, he he also had that famous um, Star Trek episode, mm-hmm. City on the Edge of Forever. City on the Edge of to, together, uh, Forever, which is what everybody says is the best Star Trek yeah. episode of the Harlan it's, Ellison. It's really up there. It's one of my all-time favorites. But did you know but... that, Ben, that he wrote a uh, Two-Face episode of the classic Batman TV show, and it was no. never produced? He wrote it as a treatment, and then recently DC had Len Wein come and like redo it. Len mm-hmm. Wein, Len Wein. Len, Len Wein. Wein. Len Wein came Wein. And, and like re-scripted it. Wolverine. And they got legendary artist. Uh, well, who's the artist that, that, did, that did that Batman 66 book? He's, oh, we talked about it at length a few months ago, and, mm-hmm. uh, like a month or two ago on Geekscape, how this guy created all the style guides with George Perez for what comics were in the 70s and 80s. And like Neil Adams and stuff like that. Like those are the three classic mm-hmm. artists of that era. Who created like the way that we read comics all through the '90s and 2000s? Like so, so with with the Doctor Who book, that's you know I'm going into all those stuff uh, things. I go into like when they were creating one of his arch enemies, the Master, what was the yeah. original idea for the Master, and how did this evolve? And and I have lots of sidebars where I kind of just step aside and talk about like so this character showed up, and what we're just going to talk about the evolution of that, and or uh, or the different discussions that have happened <laughs> over the time of can the Doctor be a woman? Yeah. Um, the creator said not only said yes, but he actually wanted that to happen in 1987. 
You see, he's just uh, trying to score. You think? You think yep. he's just trying to score? <laughs> you think the creator's just? He was like, just you know, pandering. Uh, clearly, I, I hit a dry spell. Might as well throw him one. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I'm gonna end up on Mary Sue for that comment. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I had a I had a great time putting it together, and uh, yeah, it I got to interview five doctors personally, and whoa, I include, which ones? Uh, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy. At a brief conversation in the hallway with Paul McGann, um, and uh, Matt Smith and I have talked on multiple occasions, so I, yeah. I used interviews from those. That's now McGann, awesome. McGann was the one that did he did the Fox movie, right, with Eric Roberts as the master, right. Oh uh, shit! And I just recently found out that like he he's been doing the radio plays, yeah, for a while, for like, fifteen a, years now. So there's actually a lot of stories for the Eighth Doctor that you've only see once well now twice yeah, yeah wow. the the uh the the audio dramas have been they've, they've been doing basically a season a year mm-hmm. so that's four to six adventures that are like sometimes more that are full length they're all an hour to two hours in length full cast wow. full, full audio uh sound effects and music and Based on those audio plays, honestly, Paul McGann has become my favorite doctor. Yeah. Uh, he's right up there with Tom Baker for me. Tom Baker sometimes will rival him. <laughs> Paul McGann is just a little – he edges a little bit more because his stories go into certain areas that Tom Baker's never did. Uh, because he's a little darker, isn't he? He gets a little darker. Yeah. And part of it is because the audio dramas, they are marketed, whereas Doctor Who is a family show and right. meant for all ages. The audio dramas, since they figure mostly – Older folk are, are listening to it and buying them. Mm-hmm. They gear a little more uh, toward towards the older crowd, and also because it is audio, you don't rely on action scenes as much. So you need to get more cerebral, and the danger sometimes needs to get more conceptual. Mm. Uh, so so there's a fantastic audio drama called Jubilee where this Dalek is kept prisoner, and Daleks are already menacing creatures and, and incredibly hard to kill. But there's a whole scene of just it convincing the guard who's watching it to follow him hmm. and to kill his superior. And it's just this psychological manipulation yeah, yeah, it's cool. and it's, and to hear it also in that, that terrible Dalek voice is right. in 3d sound on your headphones is terrifying. And it's, <laughs> it's, so I love, and, and McGann, McGann, I just think became an, an amazing doctor. And although people have legit criticisms about the one TV movie he was in, Mostly people thought he's an amazing doctor. And in fact, his portrayal of the doctor really inspired Russell T. Davis, who was the showrunner who brought Mm -hmm. Doctor Who back a few Mm -hmm. years later. He's he's talked about like watching that TV movie. He saw some of the best ideas and portrayals of the doctor he's ever seen. And that's what inspired him. So actually, Paul McGann is sort of the missing link between classic Who's atmosphere and modern Who. It was just unfortunate that Fox decided to Americanize it so much. You know, it's it's the... not just them. The the blame also goes to BBC. BBC was at that point embarrassed by Doctor Who. They really mm. they they were really into actually rebooting it from scratch. Really. And so so the original treatment, Paul McGann was going to be not the eighth Doctor. He was going to be the new first Doctor, wow. just leaving Gallifrey. And you would find out that his his father that he had a human mother and he and they didn't leave to just explore the universe. He was looking for his father Ulysses, who was also known as Blackbeard the pirate, mm. and the master was secretly his brother, and oh, wow. you know, all this, all this jazz. And, I love and, how deep we're rolling right now. I'm just yeah. like sitting here. I'm he was, watching. He Alan, was gonna like, have a cigar crap. and an unshaven face and like a trench coat. So he was gonna look like freaking Gambit. And uh, and I mean the 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 producer, the scriptwriter, and the director were all British. Uh, so we 
Fox definitely should be blamed for things, but mm -hmm. I'm saying the blame can be spread. And it was also a situation where you had Fox had notes, the um, the other groups had notes, the BBC had notes, and so you had too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And it just it led to what's not the worst thing in the world. It felt like that at the time because we thought, well, we screwed up. We'll never have Doctor Who again. Right. Now in the context of we have modern Doctor Who, you look back and say, it's not great. I've seen worse episodes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we're cooking well, that was gas. A, that was the same. Alan just went off. <laughs> wasn't that the same year that Fox came out with uh, Night Raider 2000? I believe it was. Yeah, hey, so that was 1996. Yeah, why not? I it mean, was so bad. I remember Night Rider 2000. <laughs> oh, it was that like red car. The red car, uh, and we were already using cryogenic imprisonment yeah. in like the year 2000, wow. according I've, to them. I, oh, mm -hmm. I do not remember that show at all. No, it was, it was just, it was just the pilot. It was wow. just the pilot. Yeah. Oh, and she I lost remember her the Generation X like yeah. pilot. But oh, Generation X, where yeah. they were like, it's like Star Trek meets 90210. No, yeah. sir, it is not. It's more like Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> and like the David Goyer made for TV movies, yeah. like the oh. Nick Fury and stuff like that. They, uh, I freaking, remember all those. Nick, that Nick thing? Fury made me angry. Yeah. <laughs> a racist out there somewhere is like, that's my Nick Fury because at least he's white. Yeah. <laughs> is that racist in here with us, Jonathan? No comment. No comment. Hey, I'm just a Hasselhoff fan, all right? Uh, we're going to get back after this break. We're going to uh, talk more superheroes. We're going to talk to Alan who broke it down like a break dancer and did a couple of spins around me. Uh, that's what that I'm was pretty to awesome. Do. That was incredible. Uh, you, now you're going to pick up his Doctor Who book, aren't you? We'll be right back on Geekscape with some more geekery. Stay tuned. Ooh, geek. Hey, you! Do you want to stay up to date with all the most recent happenings in the gaming industry? Do you crave intelligent discussion on all of gaming's numerous topics? Then head over to Geekscape.net and listen to the latest episode of Geekscape Games. Coming to you at a cinematic 30 frames a second. And we don't even work for Ubisoft. Yeah, we're back on Geeks Game. Kevin and Frank just ran for some pizza. There are awesome engineers for this episode here at T Radio V. It smells really good. Can I get a Dude, that pizza smells so good. My stomach just rumbled when I saw you guys leave the booth and run out for some pizza. Uh, we're talking to Alan Kistler. His new book uh, is out on the e-market. It's think... also, it's yeah, uh, Amazon, Barnes Amazon. Noble. It's also Audible. I read the audio book myself. Sexy-ass voice you yes. guys have been listening to for 45 minutes already. And uh, <laughs> Guys, Geekscape's weekly. We always have, I mean, I'd like to think we always have a good guest like this, but Alan's really kicking ass, man. I just had to sit there and watch him talk about Doctor Who and be like, holy crap, so much knowledge. I don't think I've so seen Jonathan be that quiet in... <laughs> For that awesome. of time. I just love it. I love it because because Doctor Who is so daunting to me, and I'm like, no, I, I mean, it's it's really it's people. Daunting. I think people make it way too daunting, or people like will will come up they with these complicated. They overthink it. They'll come up with complicated lists of you need to watch these seven yeah, episodes yeah, 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 in yeah. this order, and then you have to go back. It's like no, 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 no. no. Look, just fucking watch there's, it. There's an alien who travels through time and space for fun. He we don't know his name. He's called mm -hmm. the Doctor. He's brilliant and also immature. He's not looking for evil, but if he sees it, he'll fight it. And he likes to pick up people to join him on his so adventures. he's like Stitch. He's a man-man with a box. He's like Lilo and Stitch. Sure. He's like Stitch. Yeah. He just runs around and goes... <laughs> I, always say, I always say this for people who are wanting it's to get really into It's really walk-in space. Yeah. 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 I, watch... Uh, I always tell them to watch Hush. 
Okay. You mean Blink? Blink. Blink. Sorry, Blink. I was thinking a bad. You know Buffy. how many people? You know Buffy, how many people? Yeah. You, you know how many people you've, you've led astray by telling them to watch Hush? No, I tell. <laughs> well, they should watch Hush too yeah. if they're yeah. not into no, Buffy. No, that's an amazing you, you Buffy. Watch, that's that's what Hush. got me into Buffy. Yeah. Uh, cool. But Blink, you is have Amber Benson in that episode. Have, uh, yes. Yes, yes we she had is. Her here a few weeks ago. I adore Amber. What a great lady. Yes, but Blink, like watch Blink. I or I also say, and I've done this a few times, is Vincent and the Doctor. Cool. Or the Doctor and Vincent. The Vincent and the Doctor. Vincent and the Doctor. I have people watch that. That, that episode destroys me That's every what time. Watch. Is that what I watch? Every yeah. time. If That's you, an amazing. If you watch that and you don't feel feelings, then I, have no some, feelings. I don't. Yeah. Um, can I talk You're about the feelings cry. that I had yesterday? Sure. Um, so you guys know that I have a, a minor addiction. Okay, it's a major addiction for these Amiibos. These Nintendo little uh, toys are like Skylanders. It's that affecting you play your life in Nintendo. a negative way. Yeah, so, so anyway, Sunday was the release of the Rosalina, which is a character from Mario Galaxy, and they, she has her own little amiibo. But the pre-order, it's a Target exclusive here in the United States. The pre-order was only open for 30 minutes at like 2 a.m. online, so everybody missed it, except for the people who managed to, which is probably four people. Right. And so I didn't get the pre-order. I pre-ordered every amiibo except this one, so I had to show up at Target yesterday to stand in line to be at this thing when Target opens at 8 I got there at 6 a.m. to make sure I got one because I've heard stores only got six. I've heard stores got 20. I don't know the number, but I knew I had to be number one. And so I got in line at 6 a.m. And slowly but surely, by the time 6.10 or 6.15 rolled around, I started having other 20- and 30-year-old males joining me in line to get their Nintendo Princess doll, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that unlocks Nintendo Princess things on their Nintendo Wii U. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting in line having a good time. My buddy Mark, I met my buddy Mark, Josh Jackson, who was uh, one of the co-hosts of Geekscape Games, came out and joined me. And I would say by the time there were 15 minutes left to go before they opened this Target, uh, we had about 24 people in line for a rumored 2022 20, of these actual Amiibos. Somebody was going to get the short end of the stick with a buy one. You know, it was a limit buy one. And so I'm right. sitting in line being like, well, I know I have mine. But some of these guys are going to be shit out of luck. Then, with 15 minutes before the store opened, the kids started showing up with their parents. <sighs> and that's what made me feel like a piece of garbage, is you'd have these kids who are maybe 10, 12 years old, walking with their parents, who begrudgingly got out of bed early on a Sunday to walk them to get this Super Bowl Sunday. To, Super Bowl Sunday, to walk them into the line. And these kids are like number 24, 25, 26 in line, so they can get their Amiibo doll. And then, right before they open the door... A little girl in like an Ilsa blue dress comes with her dad, and she goes to the very back of the line. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. Oh, shit. I feel so bad because I'm going to buy this damn toy, and this little kid's going to go home without a toy. And I'm the jerk, weird, freaking mutant who can bought I, it. Can I guess how the story ends? You buy your amiibo, and you see her, and she's sitting there, and she's crying, and you give it to her out of the kindness of your heart. And you feel you go home, and you feel great. And you, you high-five Laura. Yeah. yeah, so Ben. Yeah. I would have, but it didn't come to that. Oh, okay. It turned out, <laughs> it, it turned out that Target had 30. Hey! So hey. Oh, everyone got the Rosalina. Hey! Everyone got the toy, but Jesus, my friend Mark and I were sweating bullets. <laughs> we stood there because we were numbers one and two in line. We stood there sweating bullets waiting for this little girl to get her toy, and she didn't get her toy. One of us was going to have to play the, uh, the sacrificial card. Lucario, which is a, a Pokemon, got his amiibo released on Friday. I mm -hmm. heard there were fights breaking out on in Toys R Us. Oh, and I heard that there was a little kid with cancer, and they, they gave they, somebody gave him the, his, his Lucario because... 
fucking little kid had cancer. And then he ripped off his bald cap I and don't said, know. screw you, suckers. I heard that you're walking through the parking lot from a Toys R Us and people are offering you 100 bucks for these damn things. Oh, my God. The Amiibo craze is crazy. It's a real craze. So and I'm wrapped up in it. Do you think it's as big? It's Well, it's not nearly as big as like Beanie Babies. I don't know. It's not nearly as wide. I don't know. But I know that I've got the dragon sickness. I need the Arkenstone. I know that I'll throw every dwarf under the fucking top. I know. It's a problem. It's a real problem. I'm the big king problem. under the motherfucking mountain up in this bitch. That's what I should have said yesterday when they opened the doors. I'm king under the mountain! Word. <laughs> That's the way the geek Speaking grows. of dwarfs, did you guys hear just before we, we yeah. get off air, did you hear about the uh, fourth grader in Texas getting suspended because he claimed yeah. to have the one yeah. ring? What is Texas. wrong with people? I don't know, man. It's like because satanic, they, probably. It's they like you can't. It was satanic. What, what was the quote? Uh, you, we suspended him because we don't take threats lightly, real or magical. Really? Like, sir, really? Sir or madam, perhaps you should repeat that sentence to yourself yeah. just, and question you, your life. God. It, it's problematic. It's I problematic. mean, we're dealing with. Uh, Elon James White was talking about this on on his show earlier today, that there was a snowball fight that got broken up by a cop, because. And, like, he seriously, like, was, like, wait, I don't think he took out his gun, but he was, like, gesturing at least to his gun, like, he I will... He at least took out a taser. I mean... Or he'll pepper It was, pr- it was a serious thing about with this cop, because they had some report of a weapon, a kid with a weapon nearby, so he's, like, breaking up and scaring the hell out of these kids having a snowball fight. Like, dude, like... But, guys, the, the line between fantasy and reality blurs often, especially with us, because we're geeks. Sure. Right. Including sure. Ben, who just started working out in the NerdFit gym. The nerd, uh, strong, nerd, nerd strong, strong, the nerd, nerd strong, nerd strong. Yes, and, yeah. and that's where they like do like a D and D setup, and depending on how the dice roll is how your workout is going to continue. Well, so I mean, it's a bit they, of gaming and it's a bit have, of working they have, out. They have that in some aspects. I yes, think it's that, awesome. that wasn't what today was. Well, yeah, I'm they, looking forward to that. They switch it up because my my boy Andrew Seely yeah. is a coach over there, and he's been doing that for a while, and I, I know several people over there. And yeah. they've always told me, like, there'll, there'll be a Jurassic World one they had mm, where cool. you were imagining how to avoid dinosaurs and they have, like, a Batman workout. Like, yeah. They'll switch it up. The, Absolutely. The, the one that I'm looking forward to that uh, the owner, Andrew, yes. uh, was telling yeah. me today is that He's they're, they're going to they're gonna start having us have maces and swords. Oh, and yeah. Do the, do the, the weight the, training. The weight training techniques that way. That's awesome. Well, don't turn into a red Power Ranger. Because well. <laughs> that's been a problem. Guys, all this news is up on the Geekscape website. I wish there was tons more. I wish there was more time we could just talk about. Because Alan's a great guest. Yep. If you want more of Alan, you can pick up his books on the e-markets. Uh, you Alan, guys saw it. Yeah, AlanKissler.com, uh-huh. Twitter, at SizzlerKissler, and YouTube channel, Think About the Ink. Oh, that's awesome. And for at Dungeon on Twitter, that's Woo. Ben. I'm at Jonathan Lennon on Twitter. Find us on Geekscape.net, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. You can find us. We'll be here next week on T-Radio Studios, unless I get another cold. Peace. Love you.